This month's episode of the Martial Arts Podcast is brought to you by Galesburg Academy of Martial Arts. Their Open Championship Tournament will be held this year on Saturday, April 25th at Carl Sandburg College in Galesburg, Illinois. Events include grappling, weapons, breaking, forms, and sparring. For more information, call or text Master Aaron at 309-299-5845, and to register online, visit galesburgmartialarts.com in February. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Episode 8 of the Martial Arts Podcast. This podcast takes a look at the stories and lives of the people involved in the world of martial arts. I am your host. My name is Adam Bockler. I'm a snow shoveler. I'm a strep throat survivor. But most importantly, I am a martial artist. Before we go any further, this is a podcast supported by martial artists just like you. So rate, download, subscribe on iTunes or at adambockler.com. You can like the Martial Arts Podcast on Facebook. And over there, you can let me know how I'm doing. You can ask me questions that I can answer on the next show. Uh, Let me know if you have any great ideas for who you'd like to hear on a future episode of the Martial Arts Podcast. This month's guest is Jim Price. He's a student of Mr. Philip Keppel. Uh, I've known Mr. Price for several years now, and he's been nothing but great to me. It's hard to believe that after all this time knowing him, though, that I've only actually been in like a 30 or maybe a 60-minute seminar with him. Uh, To help connect some dots for you, the listener, Mr. Price, is the main instructor of uh, Mr. Matt Schell, who was on November's podcast. Uh, He's the guy I told you about last month who promoted Mr. Schell to third-degree black belt. I've got a few things to tell you about before we get to the interview. First, go to my website at adambockler.com and check out my new feature called This Week in Martial Arts, coming out on Saturdays. It's got all kinds of cool things in it, like a new video from Master Ken showing you how to defend against a double punch, and also how to defend against a damn chainsaw. Also, I finished reviewing the book Tai Chi Chin Na by Dr. Yang Jing Ming for YMAA. I wish each karate form had a book like this because it's just that good. Dr. Yang is doing his best to demystify Chinese martial arts, and this book is another step in the right direction in my opinion. Head on over to adambockler.com to read the full review. And lastly, earlier this month, I traveled to Mr. John Morrow's school in Moline, Illinois, for a seminar with Ken Gullett. And Ken was showing basic structure for grounding and generating power using Tai Chi Chuan. A lot of that was pretty new for me, even though I've been in Tai Chi Chuan for a few years now. Uh, I guess it's just a different way to look at things. Um, If you'd like to check out Ken Gullett's stuff, uh, this isn't really a sponsorship or a paid thing. I just... I think the website's kind of funny. He's got a number of DVDs and videos available at his website, kungfu4u.com, kungfu4u.com. I think it's a blast. All right, I don't know about you guys, but I think it's time to get into the interview with Mr. Jim Price. So we're here talking with uh, Jim Price today over in Morton, and uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was um, I looked at your bio on uh, Mr. Shell's website. Oh, and okay. So I'd kind of like to ask you about how you got started in martial arts. You said you came from a poor family and you started karate training when you were 20? Yeah, I was 20 years old. I think it was back in 1970. Actually, when I started karate, it was uh, March 9th, 1974. Uh, it was at the Pekin Dojo. Back then, it was next to McDonald's on Court Street, which is no longer there. Uh, but that's when Master Keppel had... I think back then he had like seven different karate schools and he was running the schools but he was kind of letting black belts kind of help him out Uh, 
run these schools. But yeah, it was a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> something I always wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, but like said, like you said, I, as a kid, my parents could never afford it or anything. And then when I was at Caterpillar, I uh, ran into a gentleman named Richard Gallagher, which is down in uh, Missouri now. But uh, he got talking about karate and that, and just assumed my, <laughs> you know, I was all ready to get into it again. So mm-hmm. he's kind of what got me really interested back into doing it again, and I've been doing it ever since. So did you do it for a little bit when you were a kid, and you just couldn't keep training, or? No, uh, I always wanted to do it as a kid. I knew a lot of kids that was doing karate, but like I say, my parents couldn't really afford it. You know, uh, they had like a, I'd always see these people doing stuff outside, you know, in a backyard or something like that, and I'd sneak over behind the gate and kind of watch and stuff like that, but as a kid, I never did do the any type of martial arts, so I really didn't really do any of it until I got about 20 years old. That was a long time ago. <laughs> now, when you said March 9th, what was, how, how come you think you remember the date so clearly? It's weird. I, I mean, back in the old days, they kind of... It was like school. They wanted you to remember certain dates, you know, when you started karate, kind of when you got promoted and stuff like that. So they really wanted you to remember those dates the best you could. And that's something I see different nowadays because a lot of people don't. I've, I've noticed some of my black belts, I'm going, you remember when I promoted you to black belt? Even though I document it, they're going, no, sir. And I'm going, well, you should remember that stuff. It really should be on there. I said, anything is be on the certificates. Mm-hmm. You know, that I write and stuff like that. But, uh, no, I remember that. It's just like uh, back then it was a Shri Ru system uh, that uh, had affiliated with uh, Grandmaster Trius. And uh, back then it was white belt, yellow belt, green, purple. Then you had three degrees in brown, and then you went to black belt. So it's not like all the different colors we've got now where we actually got... 10 different colors in a Q rank, which is white belt to brown belt. So they said, well, you're counting one through 10, so we need to have a belt color for each thing. Mm-hmm. And I still say that's pretty much the American way. It's not really the open island way. Uh, I know back then from some of the old teachers I taught, they said they put a belt on, it turned black on them. It didn't really have a color. It's just from working outside and dirt and grime and a lot of them, some of them said they were even trained out in the snow. Hmm. I remember trying that once. Didn't really like it. Uh, <laughs> were, you bare, were you barefooted? Barefoot. Yeah, uh, you know, and that's how they trained. And I'm going, wow. That, to me, that's really hardcore. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we did a lot of body conditioning, but I don't think I'd really want to body condition my feet to get that strong to any type of weather and that stuff. But. Yeah. Plus, the other thing is, like, how often are you out barefoot in the snow there to you be go. you know? <laughs> I mean, as a kid, summertime, spring, that's fine, being barefooted. And I think I was always barefooted, and I can't even think of doing that now. I, I remember running across gravel as a as a young child, and now I'm just barely moving if I'm barefooted. i got to have shoes on. <laughs> so my weak, my poor old feet just not the same as they used to be when I was a child. So. Yeah. So, uh, so you got training on, on uh, March 9th, 1974? And Correct. Take me through uh, the early process of you <coughs> learning martial arts. Like, what was that like for you? To me, it was a lot of fun, but it was very hardcore. Uh, I remember what really impressed me is when I first went in, and they, 
back in them days they used to have like private lessons and they'd have like either one or one to three different private lessons you'd come in for about a half an hour and they'd teach you different techniques and stuff like that and I what always impressed me is I, was, I couldn't get over the power and strength that you know that the teacher had it was just unbelievable and a control it just surprised me uh, but like I say one thing from from Master Capel and then a different thing from some of his black belts because back in them days uh, black belts were pretty hard uh, they were pretty hardcore uh, it's not like nowadays if I'd done some if I'd actually teach and do some of the things that I did when I was starting in karate probably be lawsuits <laughs> you know <laughs> in all reality because yeah. it was nothing like a we'll be standing in a in like a Nihonshi Dachi or a Kiba Dachi stance, and uh, we're working punches and stuff like that. And it'd be nothing for a black belt going, doing his count and that stuff, and all of a sudden throw a spinning heel, heel kick in your chest and you'd bounce off a wall about 10 feet behind you. You know, and then he's kind of acting like a Marine sergeant. He's yelling at you, going, what are you doing sitting on my floor? You know, and of course, uh, dummy me, I'm going, I'm apologizing. You know, and I'm sorry, sir, I'm getting right back into Kibodachi again. You know, and it's just the way things was done back then. Uh, it's kind of like the tournament fields. It was nothing to go home with blood on your uniform. Uh, <laughs> uh, you were, back then, you you actually used contact. So if, you ble if you're a bleeder, you know, or if they were a bleeder, you got blood on your uniform, so kind of the way it was back in the 70s. Do you think that's, uh, do you think it's better or worse today that, we don't really see too much of that. I, I at least haven't seen too much of that. I, you know, I don't really see that much of it no more. Uh, there are some schools that still train that away, but there's not not like they used to be. Uh, because, again, the insurance reason, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you really don't want to get sued. Uh, but uh, I think deep down, it, I don't know, it taught me a lot. No ifs and buzz about it. It taught me to be tough. Uh, but uh, some of the teaching... I really agreed with, but a lot of it I didn't. You know, it's just like laying students on the floor. You know, and maybe back then they'd have us about three foot apart, and they would actually jump from stomach to stomach, and actually driving their heel into our stomach, hmm. and we were supposed to like kiai. You know, and I'm going, oh my goodness. You know, and that's the first time I wound up getting uh, two cracked ribs. Uh, they slipped and. You know, and <laughs> and landed on me wrong, and I wound up getting <laughs> a couple of cracked ribs out of the deal. So yeah, it, to me, I call it, yeah. Back in them days, I called it hardcore karate. But like I say, it it did toughen me up. But now, that's like when I talked to Matt Shell. I says well, we're not going to do that here. Mm -hmm. We can do, you know, like hardcore training and like training hard on the bags and stuff like that. I absolutely believe it. You know, because if you really want to work good strong power I was telling them about an old bag that we used to have we used to have a big big it used to weigh about 380 pounds and it was full of soy soybeans and we'd hit that bag as hard as we could it might only move about a half to a one inch that's about all it hit hmm. to me that was a good bag to train on and you'd swing it let it hit you in the stomach just for body conditioning stuff like that I like doing stuff like that but uh actually abuse the students no I mean it was nothing I remember uh, shoot uh, one of my instructors back then was Steve Mott and I remember he'd put me at one end I'd be at another end after him and I kumite with each other we'd have a whole line of, 
of students. And we fight, fight. They got knocked on the rear end. That's just the way it was. Mm-hmm. You were actually allowed to kind of really use some contact. And I don't really believe in it that way no more. I, I believe in really using a lot of power in that, but I also want to teach the students, you know, control. What impresses me, there's a gentleman that's in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. His name is uh, Mr. David Hammond, and he's a seventh Don also. And he's, instead of him going to the our Matsumura system, he's stuck with the Shuriru system. And he was one of the most controlled fighters I've ever fought with. Every time I'd fight with him, he had unbelievable speed, but it was so controlled. It was just like he barely touched me. And it looked like he was going to go right through me. But he controlled that technique and got his points and beat me. And he was a very impressive person to fight with. And to me, that's what I try to teach. I want him to use power, but I also want him to learn how to control that power. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's something that a lot of people go, well, if you control that power for so many years, you're not going to know how to use that power. And I just kind of grin at him. I'm going, really? <laughs> I says, now, do you really want me to show you the power I have? I said, would you be willing to stand in front of me and let me punch you, either in the stomach, you know, with a Seiken Zuki? And they're going, well, no. I said, then why would you think that I lost power? You know, all I'm doing is teaching how to basically use control. That's what it's really about. I said, I want you to use all the power and speed you can, but what impresses me is just like if I have a string hanging down, and I have a weight on the end of it, and I put chalk on it. And I said, I want you to throw a Seiken Zuki, a punch, as hard as you can to that string, but don't touch it. I go, what? I said, well, try it. You know, and then they'll punch you at it, and then I said, now, see, look at that. I had powder on the on the line. I said, you touch the line. I said, give me 50 push-ups. That's your punishment for touching the line. This is going to teach you learning how to control that technique. So it's just a lot of different tactics. I've learned how to do different techniques and that. So. Yeah. <laughs> you talked about uh, the transition from the Shuriru system to the Matsumura system. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh, my, that was hard. That was real hard. Uh, well, what was hard about it? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things, you know, different ways of doing things. but It was. Well, the thing of it is, you know, when we were in the Shuriru system, and I've always used to say this, I said it was almost like we were brainwashed. You know, this is the only system out there. There's no one any better, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I never did really agree with that because I've seen so many good martial artists when I travel around with my friends and going to different tournaments. I'm going, wow. You know, but what impressed me is I wanted to talk to them about their, their system. You know, and if they had a good history, you know, then they had a good route to their system. They're a good system, mm-hmm. you know, but... In the Shuriru system, like I say, we were brainwashed. We were told, this is it. There's no one better. Now, how long were you in Shuriru? In the Shuriru, I was in uh, from 1974 to 1984. Okay. And we backed out of it. When, well, I backed out when my teacher backed out of it. He basically got away from, uh, he didn't really, he left Master Trigus and left the organization pretty much saying he was wanting to search out something else. And that's what he did. Then he wound up creating the United States Karate Dokai. And he developed that in 1984. And been that way. Matter of fact, just this last year, we just celebrated our 30th anniversary. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but he was in search of something different. He wanted, I guess for years, like he said, he always believed all the katas we ran in the Shuriru system 
was the real deal. You know, they came from Okinawa. This is the way the Okinawans taught it. And then we kind of found out it wasn't really as true as what we thought it was. So it was pretty disappointing. You know, and even to this day, you know, even though we may say, this is a true Okinawan cop, well, can you prove that to me? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and really it's hard to do. You know, as my teacher said, you know, as, you know, back in the war, you know, the Okinawan War, uh, so much stuff was destroyed. And so many of the teachers died back then. So in all reality, the ones that survived was their students, and they were so young back then, did they really have the knowledge? See, no one really knows. Yeah. So it, it does open a lot of questions, and I think that's why my teacher... He kept going from different teachers, and the ones he was with was just totally awesome. But it was a shame because they showed, they died so young from cancer, and they they pretty much passed away in their sixties. And finally, Sensei says, "That's it. You know, I'm going to name the system. We're going to keep the system, but I'm going to put Keppel Ha at the end of it, and just pretty much meaning that we're going to do it his way." Mm-hmm. And I'm going, "That's fine, you know, because in all reality, from from the readings I've done and the talk I've done from other people, when I talked to people in Okinawa, when I was over there in 97, uh, they were telling me the same thing, you know. I, I remember they said they'd be four or five students under one teacher. And when they went on their way, each one did it differently. You know, and it's kind of what we do right now, you know, by our different sizes and stuff like that. You know, you might, might have five students and they're at different levels. That's just like my females. They might not be able to do certain things the way I can do it. So I've got to figure out a way that will make it work for them. Mm-hmm. I'm going, there you go. This is what you need to do. Even, even your males actually aren't built the same way that you are. Not. And they can't do it. Well, just like a tall person, smaller person, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, and they just can't do it. And I says, well, all we're going to do is keep continuing, and we're going to make it work for you. I said, because you're not going to be able to do it exactly the way I can. And I think deep down that's how a lot of the systems broke out kind of did so many different things you know it's kind of interesting you know because it, it don't matter what style head I meet you know I always get interesting answers from them when they start talking about their katas and stuff mm-hmm. like that so you know I always challenge people when they say I've got a true original Okinawan kata I'm going I said I'm not trying to be a jerk but prove it I said just prove it to me and that's all I ask I said because I can't prove it you know, I says, what I do, I says, and that's why we're doing Keppel Ha. We're doing it his way. Mm-hmm. We have been taught the, the Sado system, you know, to the best of their knowledge, but they left a lot of stuff out too because a lot of times they didn't show us the hidden movements and stuff like that. So that's what, like, Master Keppel has us do. You know, when he's teaching us stuff, he'll teach us so much, but he wants us to branch out there and think about what we're really doing. You know, come up with our interpretation talk to him about it. You know, he guides us that right path, but he's not going to constantly keep giving us that information. He wants us to start kind of using our minds, too. And I think that's why he's one of the few karate schools that has so many high-ranking yudanchas. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, anywhere from 8th-degree black belt all the way down to 1st-degree black belt, he's got so many that's in his classes. And from all the schools I visit, I don't usually see that many yeah. black belts in a class, you know. And that's what I enjoy about my Friday night classes. He always called the Friday night classes his teacher's night. 
and it's to really help them to you know learn teaching and stuff like that so we really get down and work in our techniques and to me like I've told the black belts I said it's up to you to raise your hand and ask sensei questions if you're not going to ask questions how you gonna learn mm-hmm. you know and I don't know I guess even after 40 years a lot of them are still kind of scared to ask questions I said all you gotta do is raise your hand I said sensei's there to help us I says you know I said I hope sensei's here forever but I says I know he's not going to be, you know, so I said, we need to constantly keep asking questions and make sure we can get this down the way he wants it down so we can keep it true to the way our teacher's teaching us. And I've always said that no matter what. I said, I want my teacher to be here forever, but if and when that day comes he passes on, he'll be the only teacher I'll ever have. I'll never have another. I'll just continue on teaching Matsumoa Seto Shonru Kepoha keep on the training and that's why I told my friends in Peoria I says I'll still hang and bang and train with you people I said because we're a karate family mm-hmm. I said but I said I'll never have another teacher I said no one could ever take his place and that's just kind of how I feel you know <laughs> great amount of respect there I I think the world of, of Master Couple I really do he's a, he's always been a father figure to me you know my father passed away quite a few several years ago when he was 70 years old and he passed away with cancer and that but uh, since he kept has always been you know he's always been a father figure to me but uh, it's always been about him and that, that's I guess that's what's always been nice I mean no matter where I go in my travelings uh, they always find out how dedicated I am to my teacher you know I've had so many people try to promote me to a different rank as well we'll give you a higher rank and I'm going when my teacher thinks I deserve a rank, he'll do it for me. You know, I said, thank you very much, but no thank you. Yeah, and try to be respectful about it that way because I still have a teacher. Mm-hmm. So if and when that day comes, that's when he'll, he'll promote me. Yeah. You know, so my teacher takes his time about promoting us. He really wants to make sure he does, you know. So we stay in rank for quite a few years. <laughs> you know, and too many of them want to progress real fast. And I tried to tell him, I said, be patient. I said, you just got to be patient. I said, shoot, I remember being a six-degree black belt for almost 10 years before I got promoted to seventh, you know. So it takes time. Yeah. Yeah, you just got to be patient, you know. It'll come. <laughs> Let's go back to 1984 because I'm really curious as to, it seems to me like if you have one style, so like if you're in Shiriru and then mm-hmm. you split, there are some people that are <coughs> not thrilled about that. Did, Correct. Did you, what was the backlash like in your experience when that change happened, when Master Keppel said, okay, we're going to go in this direction? You know, I was kind of surprised. Some of, them, some of them agreed to it, and there were some that didn't. You know, like I talked about the, a good friend of mine over in Cincinnati, Ohio, he decided to stay with the Shuri Roo. And one thing about Sensei Keppel, he said, you want to follow my path, this is the direction I'm going. It was our decision. Mm-hmm. He didn't really say, okay, you're going to do it this way or else. You know, and that's how it was in the Shuri Roo system. It was, and I, I used to get myself in trouble because they used to question things. And they didn't want you questioning things in the Shuri Roo system. It was done this way and that only way. And if you didn't do it that way, you were getting in trouble. And that's what I love about the Matsumura system. It just... Number one, it's so much easier, especially the older I've gotten. The stances are a lot narrower, 
you know, uh, were in a Shuri Ru system. The stances were real deep and wide. So if you had bad knees like I do, it's very difficult for you. Uh, hard on your hips and pretty much hard on your whole body, <laughs> you know. But the muscle more system, yeah, I fought it because I was brainwashed for so many years going, this is what we're going to do, Shuri Ru, and there's nothing else. Well, we used all this power and everything, and then when we started learning the Monsamora system, to me, the katas back then, I mean, I've changed my attitude now, but back then, I didn't think they were that great. I'm going, stances were narrow. It didn't seem like we had that much power thrown in, you know, when we're working the katas. Uh, and I fought it for about a year. i got to admit, I fought it. And I think probably because I really did care a lot about the Sheree Ruth system. I guess what really woke me up was I was still running my Sheree Ruth Katas at tournaments. I've been competing in tournaments. You know, I think I competed in tournaments for probably for a total of about 37 years before I said, okay, that's enough. But I remember it was up in, uh, matter of fact, it was a new, new Linux tournament at the Mitchell's tournament. And I was running a kata called Go Show from the Shuri Ru system. And One of my favorites. I love it. I lo <laughs> you and me both. And, <laughs> and to this day, I still love it. Don't get me wrong. But what bothered me so much, I didn't know that my teacher and Mr. Hushcroft from Michigan was there. They were up in the stands, and they were just watching tournament. I didn't even know that. And there he had saw me run my kata. And since they made a comment to Mr. Hushcroft and about why am I running Go Show, a Shuri Ru kata, you know, Jim's now Matsumura Sato. Why is he running a Shuri Rukata? You know, and when Mr. Hutchcock told me about this conversation with Sensei Keppel, it really bothered me a lot. I'm going, oh my God. You know, I just, uh, it was almost like I hurt my teacher's feelings mm -hmm. for not following the system truly. And basically, in all reality, I didn't have the self confidence in myself with the Sato system, like I did of the Shuri Roos system, because everything was done so hard, it just seemed like in the tournaments, the Matsumura system was totally new. Nobody really recognized the katas. And the Shuri Roos katas, the Goju Roos katas, and all of them, they were there. No ifs and buts about it. You ran something like that, you were going to do, do, do. When I first started, I was running the Matsumura katas, and I wasn't placing wouldn't even if I could play sixth or seventh, I was lucky. Mm -hmm. And I just said, you know, I apologize to Sensei about it. And I says, it's my fault. The only reason I'm not doing successful in tournaments because I'm not training hard enough. So I just started training harder and harder and harder and to prove to myself that I could beat Shuri, Gojo Ru, Ishinru, no matter what it was, I could do it. And finally, that's exactly what happened. I actually started doing it. So, but it was, it all revolved around me. I just didn't have the self-confidence in myself to the, the system that we were trained in that we just learned. I just wasn't self-confidence in it, but now I am. Once uh, you started doing the Matsumura Katas, how long did it take you to, to see results? Like, how long did it take you to start getting first place? In those it tournaments? probably took me uh, probably about a year and a half. I really, it was really hard, and I had to just, keep doing it and letting the other people just see me more, mm -hmm. you know, and, and see what we're all about. And I remember since they tell me, even because of my bad knees to this day, I'd, 
I'd compete in tournaments, and then I'd hurt for a week or two because my knees were killing me because I competed. Yeah. You know, Sensei Keppel was always saying, why are you doing this? You don't have nothing to prove anymore, Jim. As a sensei, the only reason I'm doing this, I want people to know what we're all about. I want people to continue seeing Masamura Satan. I said, they're always seeing Shuriru or Ishinru or Gojuru. They're always seeing stuff like that, but I said, they don't see us. I said, so if I don't show them, who is going to show them? Mm-hmm. And that's what bothered me about a lot of the people in the Peoria Dojo. They just they didn't care to compete. All they wanted to do was train, and nothing wrong with that because I've kind of gotten that point too. I love training. In all reality, I've got to the point to where I really love seminars more than I do tournaments. You know, and I know tournaments are good. They're a lot of fun. And to me, what I like about tournaments is you get to see some old friends you probably haven't seen for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the good part about going to tournaments. But uh, I don't know. I, I've i always enjoyed the seminars. And man, that's anytime you can get some information or get something to put in your toolbox, you know, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Even <laughs> if you just pick up one thing, you know, that's and you it. go to a couple a year, you get a couple new things every You really year, do. I mean, at the least. You think, yeah, you've paid, sometimes you'll pay a lot of money to go to a seminar, but I used to always say that, you know, if I can learn one thing, because there'll be times I'm actually helping the person doing the seminar, and he, go, he goes, what are you doing? I said, well, sir, I already know some of this stuff. I said, but, I said, you did teach me a couple things. I says, I put that in my pocket. I said, that's mine. I said, but I figured... Hey, you got a lot of people here, so I just want to help them make sure they get these techniques down. Mm-hmm. And he really appreciated it, you know. So I don't mind helping out either. So yeah. That's what it's all about, too. I mean, all the years I've been doing this, it's all about being having fun and, and being part of a, a karate family. So it is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when, uh, so I'm... This I'm not familiar with. Have you had your own school at one point, and what was that like? Oh, my. Yes, I had five schools. I had five, not five at the same time, but I've had five different schools. Over the uh, years? Over the years. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, the thing is, they were all in Pekin. Um, I remember when one of my instructors that I, I trained with, uh, Mr. Stephen Mott, uh, he decided to kind of back out of it and stuff like that, and so I asked his permission if I could continue on teaching. He gave me his blessings and that. And then a good friend of mine uh, back then, his name was Tom Maher. And, uh, God, once a Marine, always a Marine. That's what he was. And uh, he used to work for the state of Illinois of uh, helping finding jobs for veterans. And him and I just kind of clicked. It just seemed like... He said, well, let's go look at some buildings. I said, all right. And it's so strange. We'd walk into a building, and I'd look at one thing, and we'd sit down and talk. And it was so weird because we were both thinking about the same thing. It was just really strange how we both clicked. But, uh, yeah, we our first school we opened up was on Derby Street. We stayed there for about, oh, it was about a year, and we outgrown it. And then we went out onto Second Street, out past the old... Um, a&W out there, uh, that was a rough one. Uh, that was a, took a lot of time and some money to fix that building up because it was a nasty building. <laughs> but we put a lot of time and effort into it and made it a very nice school. But, you know, like I say, it was kind of like concrete floor with blue carpeting over it. You yeah. know? So uh, you hope not to fall on the floor too many times, you know, or you're going to get some bruises. 
stayed there for a few years. Then we moved back into Pekin on uh, Broadway. Then we went to 5th Street, 8th Street. So I wound up having about five different schools uh, in Pekin. And then uh, one of my black belts, Mrs. Uh, Janice Anderson, she lives here in Morton. And uh, she had told me about a place over here in Morton, uh, Village Courts Athletic Club. And because I always say to you, I says, I'm getting tired of the overhead. Mm-hmm. It was getting to the point where I was keeping my school open, but uh, the money was coming out of my pocket to keep it open. And point to where my wife was complaining, going, you know, you're working all these hours at Caterpillar, you run a karate school, and you're taking money out of our pocket to keep the school running, but... She never understood karate was always a love of mine, you know, and I always said, well, if I can at least keep it open, you know, but I was kind of hoping the school would pay for the bills. Yeah. <laughs> and toward the end, it just got real difficult. It just kind of hurt. So I came to Morton, kind of had an appointment with a gentleman that was a manager of the place. And we talked about it, and I, yeah, it sounds pretty interesting. And the only thing that was weird was going into something like that because it's a, it's kind of like an aerobic area, but it was nice. It had a, it had a, a wooden floor, had mirrors all the way down one wall and that, but you didn't really see the martial arts like you see in the office or mm-hmm. out on the floor and stuff like that. But no certificates, a, no trophies. All kind of stuff. You, yeah. know, you just didn't see none of that. You just went in there and trained, and that was it. And at that time, it pretty much didn't matter. I kind of wanted to kind of get away from all the BS and kind of get back to teaching again. And it was pretty nice, but the clientele just wasn't there. It just wasn't working well at all. And uh, that's when Matthew, uh, Matt Shell showed up and wanted to start training with me, and I started training him and that. And uh, he made it to about, uh, to a brown belt and that. And I said, well, if you want to continue this, I says, I'm going to kind of back out for a little bit and just train with my teacher. I said, this just ain't working. And, uh, he had a couple of my students, uh, which are now both brown belts here. Uh, so he continued it, and, and then Matthew went to a different place. I told him, he, he'd sit down and talk to me, and I said, you know, in all reality, I says, unless you get a place that you call yours, you know, rent a place. And don't, don't have a place to where it's an athletic club or anything like that. I said, you need to have some type of a martial art cut out the atmosphere. I said, have your own office, stuff like that. And I says, and you may start seeing a big difference, start seeing some students, and you'll find out the different atmosphere in that. And, and like say, we came to this place, and I think it was, what, June? Wasn't that long ago, June of 2014 when we came here. And it's it's starting to click. You know, I mean, just in the past couple of weeks, it just some people coming in, and I said, see, I said, got to be patient yeah but he's got to be the busiest i thought i was always busy but that man's <laughs> involved in so much stuff it's unreal yeah <laughs> he just he's a worker he's a workaholic yeah you know and yeah because he works like what three jobs oh yes he's, i mean he's here and he, he's he's at the post office you know uh where he works on the vehicles and stuff like that you know and at that time and i don't think he's given it up yet but he was for um the Peoria County Sheriff's Department, and now he's got another job, you know, in the police force. And I'm going, you got to back off. I said, give up something. 
I said, if you want this karate school to work, you know, <laughs> I says, I'll always be here to help you out. But I says, I'm not what's supposed to be the true sensei of this school. I says, Matthew, you are. You know, <laughs> I said, I'm here to help you. And I said, I want you to really do well. So but it, it's nice. I'm starting to really start seeing it grow. And I, I really do like it. It's pretty yeah. cool. But. Now, what's that like for you? Because it, it seems like, to me, as somebody who's not, you know, part of the school and doesn't train here on a regular basis, it seems to me like you're almost like a special guest and that you'll come in and teach every night and you're an advisor. What is, what's that role like for you? <laughs> it, it's different because it, I got some will say sensei and I said, yeah, I'm not your sensei. I, I said, I don't have a problem with that, but I said, I'm not really your, t- your teacher. Your teacher's really Matthew. And what he's wound up doing, it's, and you don't normally see this too often either, but on the showman wall behind the office back here, you'll have a picture of Master Keppel when he was young and pretty much where he is now. And then on the other side, you'll have a picture of me when I was young. And that. and then one, as I am now, a little older, but a lot older. <laughs> uh, like, well, I just turned, what we were just saying, I just turned 61 uh, the 19th of this month. So it's getting a little bit older, but I'm enjoying my retirement too. Yeah. Uh, like I say, I worked for Caterpillar. I was shy of two months of having 41 years at Caterpillar. So to me, that was a long time. Uh, I was in, uh, worked as a union for 34 years, and then the rest of the time I was in the management. So it was pretty good. It, it treated me good. You know, so, but I do enjoy it. This kind of opens up the door for me to kind of help Matthew out a little bit more. But no, as far as getting back to you, I don't know. it. He gives me so many different positions, Matthew does. He goes, well, you're my teacher. You know, and I said, all they got to do is just say Mr. Price. They don't have to say Master Price or Sensei. I don't want that. All they need to do is just say that. <laughs> you know, so I said, you're their main teacher. And that's what I try to tell them. I said, you have one teacher. I said, I come in here, and I said, that's just a plus. I said, what this is doing is just that I've got a closeness to my teacher, which is Anything that's maybe adapting or adjusting in our cottage or whatever that may be, I can always bring that to the school. Mm-hmm. And I says, where Matthew don't really have that opportunity to train like I do on Friday nights because he's too busy. So I'm getting that little extra t- attention where I can bring it to school and give it to the students because I, like I told Matthew, I says, if we're going to wear that Sado patch that has that small pack, that small axe on it, it's Keppel Hawk mm-hmm. and it's done his way. And I said, so anytime I get any adjustments on Friday nights, I said, I'm going to automatically bring it to the school and give it to the students and let them know this is the way we do it. That's just the way it is, <laughs> you know. But I don't know. I, I just don't know how the students feel. I, I've never asked them. You know, they really enjoy it. It seems like they enjoy the idea of me being here and, and teaching and stuff like that. Uh, sometimes I'll come in and I'll sit in a chair and watch Mr. Shell teach, you know, and, and sometimes I think it, uh, he'll be doing something and I'll ask him, come back here, and I said, you, you're doing that wrong, <laughs> you know, and he said, what do you mean? And I says, the arms, like if he's doing a technique, he might have a hand underneath the elbow, and I said, the hand's supposed to be back by your obi, that's just one technique out. And he goes, oh, okay, I didn't know that. And I said, well, now you do, so make sure your students do it that way, you know, instead of just bouncing it out in front of the class and everybody going, no, no, you're doing this wrong. You know, I just want everybody to do it 
you know, the way my teacher wants it done. And I, so far, things are pretty, pretty good because me and Matthew's really gotten close through the years. He's kind of like a, it's almost like an adopted son of mine, but I've actually got to meet his father, which is, he's kind of changed his name back to Shell. And we got to meet his father, which is an awesome gentleman who lives in Washington. So, and kind of a close bonding. Yeah. yeah. We kind of ride bikes together, motorcycles together, and that. We have a good time. So, yeah, he's, I, I, I care a lot for Matthew. He's, he's a good guy. He really is. He's just a little too busy. But <laughs> it's just like he's just got so many plans that he's for his future, and he wants to go that direction. He gets his mind set a lot, and that's what he's going to do. So, <laughs> Under, understandable. I was uh, I was kind of that way too, and then I was like, you know what? I got to focus and do some other stuff. So I gave up a couple things, and you know now I'm doing things like this podcast and trying to work. And well, this yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah, this, this is really neat. Yeah. What started you doing this? I I like this. Uh, I started doing this because uh, there's actually a pro wrestler as a podcast. His name is Colt Cabana, and he does it as a way to kind of get his name out there and be constantly out there. And I was like, you know, that sounds like an interesting way that I wasn't seeing a lot of martial arts doing that type of thing. And no. so I was like, yeah, I'll try this for, for martial arts. I'll give this a shot. I like this because you're getting a lot of variety because it, like I told you about the old school, it just seemed like it was this way. You don't affiliate with any other people in that. And I never did. I guess I've always been an outcast. I never have agreed to that uh and i, I never will uh it's just like uh well like miss vera harrison's uh tournaments uh, i've been going to her tournaments for so many years you know and it just in the beginning it just seemed like i was the only karate guy showing up and I'm like, where is it you know because i invite some people going you know this is an awesome tournament and i said you get to meet a lot of good people you know and, and it's just the same way mr aldous yeah, I remember the first time I met him, and he came to a seminar. Yeah, you know, oh my God, him and I just clicked off. But it was I used to call him the Monkey Man. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it was so crazy because I remember we were working a technique, and I think it was I think it was a gentleman. He's passed away now, Mister uh, Kenneth Pinley. He passed away with uh, cancer, but he had a seminar here in Peoria, Illinois. And me and Mister Aldis was working a technique against each other. And, and Mr. Aldis came out, and I grabbed him, took him down to the ground, boom, boom, okay, now it's my turn to punch at him, and he wasn't getting anywhere. And he wound up, just stepped up on my leg, crawled up on my back like a monkey. You know, and I grabbed him, I'm going, what in the world are you doing? You know, he got me chuckling about it and that stuff, and him and I have been very, very, very close friends ever since. But he's such a gentleman's gentleman. He really is. I think the world of Mr. Aldis and his wife, Kim, they're good people, mm-hmm. you know, and that you, when you see the system that he teaches, and it was so much fun because when he came and trained with me, he kind of learned, wanted to learn the Sato system, and we'd start doing stuff, and he'd just kind of shake his head. He goes, it's amazing how close we are. Yeah. Even though we do a little bit different, it's just amazing. And I said, you know what? You'll see that in a lot of the systems if you just kind of sit back and watch. You know, and that's why I've always been curious of watching different styles. And just... I don't think we should ever, like I said, if they've just got a good history, if they got a good lineage, they're good people. You know, they're just doing it a little bit different way. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And that's why, I guess that's probably why I've always, always backed Miss Harrison. You know, because she always tried to get good people to come to her tournaments and that stuff. In just probably the past three years, maybe four years, 
I'm actually starting to see some good karate people from other states coming to our tournament, and they're good friends of mine. Yeah, I went yeah. to one. It wasn't like uh, two years ago, and there were there were a lot of karate <coughs> people there that I noticed. That's what I say. It's what a big difference from a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're starting to see a difference, and that's what's pretty nice. You know, it's just I'm tired of going to organizations where not we're only karate or no, we're only taekwondo. And I'm going, you know, that's not right. There are good people out there. It don't matter what it is. If you're a karate organization, it seems like you would want to put your arms around everybody and try to bring them in. If they're good people, that's what you want. Yeah. You know, politics, you know, I get a kick out of people. Uh, they say, well, I, this system don't have politics. Or, you know, every system has politics. <laughs> yeah, they always will, no matter what. Maybe, maybe not as much, but the politics is still there. And it's a shame it is, but it is still there no matter what. There's a lot of good people out there, a lot of good organizations, you know, and <laughs> it's different. I got a thing in mail today about the, the USA Alliance, uh, the Hall of Fame thing, and I haven't heard from it for a long time. And kind of threw me because it's, it's about this flyer in yeah. New Mexico, and I'm going, what? They're having a Hall of Fame down there? So I was kind of surprised because I'm used to the one over in Indiana. Mm-hmm. So, but... It don't matter, like I told Mr. Aldis, you know, there's good people in every organization. I said, you're always going to run into your people you don't care for. I said, just kind of step away. <laughs> just step yeah. away from them. You know, that's the best thing you can do, just step away. It's not worth the aggravation or the hassles. It really isn't. And I've had plenty of that through the years. <laughs> I know when Master Couple made me the uh, chairman of referees and the rules when we I had to write the rules for the USKK organization. That was fun. Uh, But to actually be the authority at the tournaments and make sure they run well and stuff like that is challenging. It's very challenging. And I know I'm going to have to talk to them a little bit more because it seems like nowadays it just seems like people is more around my age up into the 70s you know, that's kind of running things. And we need to get, honestly, we need to get younger people involved. You know, maybe not just taking over, but at least letting them step in and help out. Mm -hmm. You know, and letting them get familiar with some of these positions. Because we're not going to be around forever, and someone's going to have to step in. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I see that a lot. You know, I go to a lot of organizations, and I... don't want to call them antiques, but I see a lot of older gentlemen, you know, and women that's up on boards and stuff like that. And I'm going, where's the young people? You know, they're sitting out in the audience and that, but they're not <laughs> really in the, uh, like the executive boards and stuff like that, where you're really talking about the business of the organizations. So I don't know. Me personally, I think that needs to change. Yeah. And maybe it will, because if it don't, down the road, it will hurt that organization no matter what. So, I guess time will tell. We'll see. But to me, I don't know. I see a lot of good people, but I know a lot of them young people are going to kind of back off if they're not accepted. You know, so they need to start opening their eyes and see what's really there in front of them. <laughs> so, I'll, uh, I'll wrap this up here pretty quick as we start to wind down uh, to kind of bring it back to what we talked about. You know, at the start of the interview, you waited so long to get into martial arts. Was it worth it? Was it worth the wait to get in? Yeah, it was. It really was. I, 
I think it'd even been better if I could have gotten into it even younger. You know, I talked to some friends that said they started when he was a teenager or even as a young child. You know, and I'm going, man, I wonder what it'd been like if I'd started even earlier. You know, but no, I wouldn't give none of it up. I've, God, all the awesome people I've met through the years, it's been just fantastic. It really has. So, like I say, you got your own family, but you got your own martial art or what I say, my own karate family. And it's a big one. It is a big family because uh, <laughs> I've got so many friends all over the United States and in other countries. And that's why I say you miss them. Once you kind of get a bond, you really do miss them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I'd never change anything. No. <laughs> no. Karate is a way of life, and it has been for me. It'll always be that way until the day I die. It's just it's something I have to have. I've got to have it. <laughs> You're addicted. You're addicted to it. <laughs> Gotta get that fixed. Oh, it's, isn't that scary in a way? It, you know, but it's the truth. You know, it's just like with me, I have uh, both my knees are bone to bone, and I just refuse to get the knee surgeries. And so I wound up getting a brace for my right leg just so I could practice. Because hmm. yeah, if I didn't wear this knee brace, I wouldn't be able to train. I just wouldn't be able to train. Uh, so it helps me continue my training, that, and I just love it. You know, it just feels so good to train with my teacher. You know, my teacher being 76 years old, and to say that I can still train with my teacher, not too many people can say that. Yeah. You know, so that's pretty cool. I, it kind of freaks a lot of people out going, you got to be kidding me. Your teacher actually gets in class with you and trains. I said, absolutely. I said, and a man can still hurt you really bad, you know, just by a touch, you know. <laughs> yeah, I went to one seminar with Master Keppel, and uh, it was in Springfield. Okay. And, and uh, I was down there, and he called me out to do something, and he got he got close, and I was like, mm. "Yep, yep, that that would do it." He's he's unreal. <laughs> I especially when he works the pressure points. He's lit me up a few times. Yeah. And, just, and he'd always go, "Nope, nope, that's enough, Jim." I said, "No, I'm here to help out, sis." And he goes, "Nope, you you're done. <laughs> I've lit you up too much." Yeah. <laughs> and. And that's fine, but there's a lot of times I said, you know, I'd almost rather have my teacher hit me than touch me. Yeah. You know, it's just unbelievable, you know, just what he does. It just blows me away. But he's so powerful, so strong. (laughs) It's just unreal when he says, well, grab my wrist. You know, I've got big hands. Mm -hmm. But when my my hands will not go around his wrist, that's unreal. You know, and he goes, no, really, Jim, go ahead and grab me. And I said, Sensei, that's the best it gets. You know? <laughs> so it, it's kind of interesting because he really wants you to learn the techniques that he's showing you that stuff. And that's why, you know, a lot of times I volunteer. You know, a lot of people don't want to be on the receiving end of Sensei's techniques. But, you know, in all reality, if you don't learn it that way, that's the best way to get, learn it. You know, and that's why I volunteer. Yeah, I've talked to Mr. Aldis about that before, too, because, um, you know, he'll call me out to do stuff if we're doing a demo somewhere, or uh, I went down to Kansas City in 2013 to mm. work with uh, Ian Abernethy. Oh, wow. And I was a Zuki the whole weekend. Were you really? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I was like, this is, so, like, people were coming up to me, and they're like, wait, 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 so how'd that feel? Like, is this right? And they do it on me. I'm like, no, nah, like, it needs to, you need to turn a little bit that way. And so it's it was pretty cool. All the techniques that you learned yeah. over that weekend, it yeah. just blows you away. Yeah. And then I was watching some video from it this weekend because I was trying to remember some stuff from the <laughs> that he showed me. And I was like, 
yeah, okay, that and like everything was coming back, like him, you know, striking <laughs> me on the side of the neck and and this and that and positioning me here. So you know, that's kind of nice about it too. I can go back and remember that stuff when I see it. See, that's fun. You know, I remember when Master Couple asked me. I remember Mr. Aldis was at one of our seminars, and uh, we were working different techniques, but we was working the Hanchi Cotton Mat, and he brought up, he's bringing up several of the seven degree black belts, one of their interpretations of that stuff. And then it was my turn, and I asked for Mr. Aldis to be my my Wookiee, you know, and uh, I showed it slow first, and I told Mr. Aldis to come on at me, and I came in really fast and worked it and all that, and, and everybody's eyes just got real large going, God. Is Mr. Price upset with Mr. Aldous? And Mr. Aldous goes, what are you talking about? He goes, are you all right? And he goes, I'm fine. He said, he didn't hurt me. He goes, my God, it sounded like he was killing you. You know, and I'm doing all I was doing is just the way we were working, touching his key and that stuff. But the way it sounded, it's just like I was just really hammering him hard. And he goes, no. He said, it's just the way he works. <laughs> you know. And he said, well, it looks that realistic. They actually thought I was hurting him. You know, and I said, again, that's where the key word, control. Mm -hmm. Working that technique the proper way and not hurting anybody. Could do it, but you don't want to do that to a friend. You know, yeah. and I consider Master Aldous a damn good friend of mine. So, <laughs> Yeah, not only as a friend, but, you know. He's, I've never, never intentionally want to hurt him. Yeah. Never. He just, again, he's a very nice gentleman. You know, just. I still I wish that God I had the flexibility he has for <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll be standing like, you know, just having a conversation and or like we would be having a conversation and he wants to demo a technique mm -hmm. and then he throws a kick right up to my throat. Oh, and I'm like, where does this come from? Unbelievable. I you'd watch his axe kicks, it looks like he's just gonna basically drill you right through the floor and he yeah. just touches you. And I'm going <laughs> you know, you're going, Woo, that's close. <laughs> He's just got unbelievable control. He really does. Pretty cool. But again, there's someone that's not really in karate. And it's just one of many of my friends that I've met through the years that's in different martial arts. And that's the cool part of it is. And that's what I want to do. I want to meet more of these people. Because I know there's a lot of good people out there. But it's just been, it just seemed like the 60s, the 70s, and even the 80s. It just seemed like a lot of us that was in the karate, we were closed-minded, you know, going, no, nope, you don't have nothing to do with them people. You know, and I still see that to a point, even now to this day. And it's a shame that it's that way. It really is. But I figure as long as I'm around and I'm passing on to Matthew and some other people, and hopefully I'll get that changed. Yeah. So that's what I want to do. <laughs> pass, pass on the right attitude. That's right. You know, you definitely got to have the right attitude. I, I got an email from a gentleman that's in Taekwondo. His first name's Darren. I don't remember his last name, but he had a scare with cancer for a few years. And he's just now got back training. I think he's with Mr. Nemo. And uh, it just made me feel good because he, he said, a lot of the stuff that I used to see you do, he said, helped me through a lot of things in my martial arts. And that. So it, it makes you feel good when you talk to people like that. You know, that I didn't even know I was helping them. And just by them either talking with me or seeing the way I do things and stuff like that, or like I say, just the way I talk to people, you know, because I think you need to be respectful to everyone, you know, don't matter whether it's child or not. And back in the old days, it was nothing. I mean, we couldn't even talk to black belts, 
I mean, if you were a Q rank, you know, white belt or brown belt, you didn't talk to a black belt. You know, it was yes sir, no sir. You didn't go up and ask them questions or anything mm-hmm. like that. You never turned your back on them of the fear that they could knock you down. You know, they could punch your lights out. And that's just the kind of the way it was back in them days. And to me, that's a bunch of BS. It shouldn't be that way. You know, I, I agree with the respect aspect, but you don't do things like that away. You know, so hopefully, little by little, yeah, it's changing. And I want to make sure it continues changing. <laughs> Good. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> Thanks a lot for doing this. Well, thank you. This appreciate was nice. It. This was really nice. I appreciate it. As far as plugs and upcoming events go, the weekend of April 18th, I'll probably be in Indianapolis for the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame. I say probably because I haven't committed yet, but I'll more than likely wind up there. The seminars are just too good to pass up. Saturday, April 25th, I'll see you at Carl Sandburg College in Galesburg, Illinois for the second annual Galesburg Academy of Martial Arts Open Championship Tournament. Ooh, that's a mouthful. For more information, head on over to galesburgmartialarts.com. Once again, if you'd like to advertise on my website or sponsor the show, please reach out to me. Maybe you've got a cool seminar or a cool tournament coming up, or you might just want to get a hold of me and tell me how the show is doing. Whatever the reason is you want to contact me, you can email me at adam.bockler at gmail.com. I hope you enjoyed this show. As always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or via RSS at adambockler.com. And hey, like the Martial Arts Podcast on Facebook while you're at it. Thanks to Jim Price for the time and for the great chat today. Thanks to BJ Averly for the music. You've been great. I've been Adam Bockler. I, I don't know. Dave Mustaine has said it and two Megadeth concerts I've been to, and I thought it sounded cool. He's like... You've been great. We've been Megadeth. And then I'll like play some more Holy Wars and I'll bang my head like an idiot. Uh, whatever. Uh, thanks for listening.